It's Friday. It's Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. I think that's what the kids say these days, isn't it? One thing that they don't say is welcome back to Straight Outta Cline, everybody, because that's what I say. And if they said that, it would be kind of weird, because that would mean that this isn't the only show called Straight Outta Cline. Which technically it already isn't, because I did lose the subscription for the first Straight Outta Cline, and this is Straight Outta Cline 2.0. So really what I should be saying is welcome to Straight Outta Cline 2.0. I did get a very heated message from somebody saying that I should start welcoming people uh, um, to... <coughs> what the fuck happened to my voice there? Right, this is my third attempt at trying to start this recording, so I am not editing that out. But I have had a message from someone getting very annoyed that I am not referring to this show as 2.0. And to that person, I would like to say, go fuck yourself. But this is an episode, style of episode, I should say, that I used to love doing on the original one, which is um, a Q&A. I put up a story on Instagram which allows all of you to ask me a question about literally anything that you would like answered. And um, it is very fun because we get to talk about a number of different topics and it's good for me because I get to break up the recording sessions. And yeah, that's all, uh, that's all good. If you would like to ask a question for a future episode, at Dylan T.Y. Reeve over on Instagram is where you can send them. I will leave a link in the bio below, or in the description below, I should say. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into the first question from one of my Celtic Codec co-hosts, Porig, who says, What kind of story slash gameplay feature would you like to see done in the next... Very good question, Porig. And I miss having these discussions over on Celtic Codec, but soon they will return. What kind of story or gameplay feature I would like to see? Very, very good question. For me, the feature I would like to see in the story, 100%, 100 billion gazillion percent, is the return of the conquest mode, similar to what we saw in Deception and Armageddon. I loved that style of story mode. I thought it was so much fun. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I loved the story of Mortal Kombat 9 as well, playing as the different like main characters. That was really cool. But playing as Shujinko in Mortal Kombat Deception is just so much fun. And uh, like the Armageddon one is good as well. But the, the, the way I will always define a story in Mortal Kombat is through that conquest mode and deception. It is so much fun. Uh, the story itself has a lot of different aspects to it that make it very interesting and very intriguing. I like how there's a lot of people you can interact with. I love how you start as young Shujinko, you go into adult Shujinko and like middle-aged Shujinko and then old Shujinko. And I won't spoil the ending for anyone who hasn't played this game that came out in the mid-2000s for a console that's now three consoles back. But anyway, um, if you haven't played it, I would highly recommend it if you're looking for an old game to play. I, I just, you know, I, I love the story. The story of betrayal. The story of of um, of endurement. The story of trust that is completely shattered at, at the end. That's as far as I'll say about that. I love that. And I'm not, I'm not saying you need that exact story, but that style of story mode I, I would really, really enjoy. I think these days with the PS5 and, and, and the current gen era of 2022, I think it would be a lot of fun. I think it would be something that... Even though people, like, a lot of people weren't a big fan of that back in the day, I think they would enjoy it a lot more now. In terms of gameplay feature, 
I would like it to go back to the 3D style of fighting. I really don't like the 2D style. I don't mind if that's there like as an option, but I think they should there should be an option for a 3D fighting style. I really, really don't like the 2D one, in my opinion. I think it makes it very stagnant, very robotic, very ironically, even though it's it's you know 2D, I think it makes it very one-dimensional. Which, you know, work that one out. But I think you know what I mean. So that's personally what I would like to see change. Uh, this isn't really so much a gameplay feature. But this is more kind of um, something that they've done in like recent Mortal Kombat games that I really like. I love when they include characters from outside the Mortal Kombat universe. Um, like the Joker and and um, the Terminator and, and stuff like that. Rambo, I think they've even put in it. I want to see more of that. I really, really like that stuff. Imagine if they put, like, wrestlers in it. That would be fucking unbelievable. It'd be really, really cool. I hope they do that. But um, that's something I'd like to see stay in the game. And, yeah, I, I would like to see more of a throwback, like a PS2-style game with, you know, modern graphics and modern gaming science included in it, if, if that makes sense. Um, that's just what I've always enjoyed. I know Porig really enjoys that. Alex as well. I'm not a lover of the new Mortal Kombat games. I think they're fine. Like, Mortal Kombat 9 and 10 are great. 11, eh, it wasn't really for me. Uh, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and 4, and number 1, the first 4. Like, they're all fantastic. The newer ones, meh, I could take them or leave them. They're not really for me. Um, maybe I'm just a bit of a, you know, an old-timer in that sense, but... That's just the way I feel, and that is something I would really, really like to see in the game. I would love to see the features I've just spoke about in the game, and that kind of throwback style of Conquest mode. And hopefully, Ed Boon and co. will adhere to that. Up next is a question from Jay, and he says, You can only answer yes or no. Is professional wrestling a sport, in your opinion? Right, um, this is a very awkward question. And to be honest with you, Jay, I can't just answer yes or no. A little from column A, a little from column B. That's the way I would describe wrestling, pro wrestling. You cannot deny that pro wrestlers are athletes. You cannot be a pro wrestler without being athletic. It's just, that's just the way it is. Not at the highest level. I have played nearly every sport imaginable. I've played football. I've played hurling. I've played Gaelic. I've played rugby. I've done amateur wrestling. I've done Muay Thai kickboxing. And I don't think anything else has been more brutal on my body than pro wrestling. It is a brutal form of entertainment in terms of what it can do to your body. It's like... Whatever you want to say about wrestling, whatever you want to call it, or whatever you want to say about it being scripted and, you know, people like to use the word fake. It's, it's, it, like, that mat is unforgiving. It is an unforgiving surface that you are landing on. And, like, then you go into stuff like death matches and gimmick matches where you're using steel chairs and kendo sticks and all different types of foreign objects, as JR and Jim Ross, or JR and Jerry Lawler would say. And it's it's unbelievably athletic, it's unbelievably tough, and it's unbelievably competitive. Like, it's a very competitive business. Not in the sense that, like, it's two people legitimately trying to beat each other up and, like, 
knock the other person out. Obviously, it's a scripted sport. It's, it's you know, it's predetermined. There is a predetermined winner and a predetermined loser. But it is competitive in terms of there can only be one world champion. There can only be, you know, one person who wins the main, you know, one... Yeah, there can only be one person who wins the main event unless it's like a tag match or, you know, a six-man tag or something like that. But you know what I mean. There is still winners and losers. And not everybody makes as much money from it as others do. However, of course, it is also entertainment. This past year at WrestleMania, Sami Zayn, who's been wrestling for over 20 years, one of the best technicians in the world, great high flyer, you know, been doing it for such a long time, wrestled Johnny Knoxville from Jackass. And Johnny Knoxville won in what is my favourite WrestleMania match of all time. It's not recency bias, it is honestly just my favourite WrestleMania match of all time. I've never had so much fun watching a wrestling match, and I've been watching wrestling for 20 plus years. This is where the other side of the argument comes in of... Is it a sport? Because let's be honest, Johnny Knoxville is not going to go into the UFC and beat anybody. He's just not. He's he's not at an age where he's going to be, you know, getting into martial arts to compete at that level and throw him in there with even the, you know, least experienced UFC fighter. He's probably going to get his ass handed to him. So this is where like wrestling is such a weird thing in that regard because it is it's like it's half sport half entertainment. The best way to describe pro wrestling is the term that a lot of people hate but I will always use it. It's sports entertainment. That is what it is. People hate that term, I don't. I think it describes wrestling perfectly because there's lots of sporting elements to it like you have to be an athlete. There there you know there is winners and losers even though they are predetermined and it's very very brutal and you have to be in great shape to do it but it's entertainment in the sense that it is a tv show it is scripted it's not a legitimate competition in the sense of it's not people going in there to try and kick the crap out of each other legitimately but like pro wrestling's roots are very real catch wrestling is where pro wrestling derives from like pro wrestling and mixed martial arts are cut from the same cloth and people don't like to hear this you're the mma purists but there would be no UFC, there would be no Pride, or there would have been no Pride, there would have been no Bellator, there'd be no Cage Warriors without pro wrestling. How pro wrestling became quote-unquote fake, there's a great video about it actually, I'll leave a link for it in the description by uh, Laurie Blake from Parts of Unknown. But essentially, catch wrestling, which is a real sport, that was very popular and it became uh, kind of carny, it went into the carnivals and they would mark people who would pay money to try and take on one of the wrestlers. They would call them money marks, which is a term that's still used in wrestling today. And the term mark is still used as well today. And people would pay money to try and beat these wrestlers. And it just, you know, obviously wouldn't go very uh, well sometimes for these people. But uh, a lot of the time it would go well for them because people would pay money to take on these wrestlers. And they would let the, the mark win so that they'd pay more money to do it again and that more people would join in to pay money because it's like well if that guy can win then so can I another reason it became predetermined was because some of the best catch wrestlers in the world were facing each other and they were wrestling for like an hour to like 
90 minutes and it would end up as a draw. And nobody wants to watch people fight for that long anyway. And, you know, even more so when there's not a winner. So that is another reason they started making it predetermined. They started adding more theatrics to it. They started adding more, you know, it was it was more of a spectacle. So it has very interesting roots, pro wrestling, but very real roots. And pro wrestlers are very tough. They're, <coughs> excuse me, they're very tough in their own right. It's a business that gets far too much disrespect. It's a business that deserves a hell of a lot more respect. And I would say it is perfectly balanced in the middle between sport and entertainment. It is a mixture of both. So, sorry Jay, I can't say yes or no. I'm kind of saying yes and no. It's like, you know, you get those three circles. You know what I mean? There's like the sport and there's entertainment, but there's that little part in the middle where they intertwine. That is where pro wrestling is. And... Yeah, that's what I got to say about that. They are legitimate athletes. Legitimate athletes. Simple as that. Okay, we went from a question from Jay to a question from James, who says, what are you expecting from Ten Hag's first season in charge at Manchester United? I know a lot of people don't like football who listen to this, but fuck it, I'm going to talk about this anyway. Eric Ten Hag has his work cut out for him. Absolutely, 100%. It's going to be a tough season next year. No matter who we sign, no matter... What style of football will play. Man City aren't going anywhere. Especially after they've signed Haaland. Liverpool will still be up there. Chelsea I think are going to get better. Because they've had a disappointing season for their standards. Spurs under Conte I think are going to keep getting stronger. Arsenal. It's going to be interesting. Because they bottled Champions League this year. I don't know how they're going to kind of balance being in the Europa League. I don't know will they balance it as well as us. They might do. I really don't know. Um, I think Newcastle are going to be an interesting team to watch next year. There's a lot of different elements that are going to come into effect next season so with Eric Ten Hag I'm expecting him to have his work cut out for him however this is why we need to give him time because he's being left behind a very poor squad with some very poor attitudes there's some potential in the squad there are some good players in the squad and obviously players like Danny van de Beek will be coming back from loan so he has some good players to work with but it's going to take a while to build up that system. Being in the Europa League, as disappointing as it is to not be in the Champions League, I think is more than what we deserve. We were very lucky not to go into the Conference League there on the last day of the season. That was all thanks to Brighton beating West Ham. There was nothing down to the way we played. The only reason we are in the Europa League next season is because of Brighton defeating West Ham. That could be a very good thing for us because as I mentioned with those teams next season... Being in the top four is not a foregone conclusion. And obviously the Europa League winners go straight into the Champions League, just like we did back in 2017. And I think that might be our best route to going into the Champions League next season, which I don't mind. Because also, like, this year marks five years since we last won a trophy, which was the Europa League, as I said, in 2017, where we finished sixth, but still qualified for the Champions League by winning that trophy. So it's not... um, it's not going to be easy. But the Europa League is not something that we should be overlooking. Because there's going to be some tough teams in that. Uh, to begin with, I'm sure there'll be some tough teams that will drop down from the Champions League group stage. But I, I do hope it's going to be a successful time under Eric Ten Hag. Next year is about laying the foundations, trying to get us back in the Champions League. Hopefully, 
winning a trophy to end that drought at least then that puts that side of things to bed and with the Europa League you can kill two birds at one stone because you get that trophy and you can qualify for Champions League football regardless of where you finish so I'm not going to make any major predictions uh, not going to predict where we're going to finish not going to predict if we're going to win anything but I will say that Eric Ten Hag has his work cut out for him but I've been very impressed from what I've seen from his interviews seems like a great uh, a great man a great footballing man did a very good job at Ajax and hopefully he can be the man to bring Manchester United back to the glory days. We've got a bit of a deep question up next. I don't really know how to answer this. What is your biggest regret in life? And that's asked by Greg. Huh. Interesting question, Greg. I, you see, everybody regrets something. Everybody. Like, you won't meet one person who doesn't have any regrets. I do have regrets, not really much that I want to get into on here. Um, Maybe the way some old friendships ended. That's obviously a big regret. Um, There's probably one job I've had looking back where I should have stood up for myself a lot more. I think I let a lot of people walk over me in a job I had about four years ago. That's probably a regret. Not probably, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of a regret, I suppose. Um... Maybe it's not getting into things like wrestling, like pro wrestling and acting a little bit sooner. But with acting, to be honest with you, I don't think that's actually really a regret now because of the people I met. Uh, I probably wouldn't have met a lot of these people had I not just started last year. So, like, that's not so much of a regret anymore, but it used to be. Um, yeah, maybe it's just not starting some things as soon as I did. But that's why, you know, while I'm still at a fairly young age, I'm getting into them now. Like, there's a lot of martial arts I'm starting very soon that I wish I started earlier or had started earlier but didn't stick at and I wish I stuck at them more so probably stuff like that but yeah like with life you're always going to have regrets there's always going to be stuff you can look back on and say I wish I'd done a little bit more there or I wish I'd done this better or I wish I did this sooner but you know it is what it is maybe it's not getting into the podcasting world sooner as well but I just didn't really have the resources or the know-how to do it up until a few years ago so yeah yeah that's probably my answer for that Kind of short, sweet, and to the point, really. Sean asks, Marvel or DC? Gonna be honest with you, I am not a big fan of comic books or the comic book universe. Um, When I was younger, I was definitely a lot more into it. Like the cartoons and the video games and stuff. These days, I'm not that bothered about it, and I haven't been for a very long time. I know fuck all about either. Like, I do like Spider-Man. And Daredevil is something that I've liked from a young age. Batman, I don't really understand the hype with, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's some it's, it's a character I've just never been able to really get into. Um, I do like the Joker, but that's more because of the movie, the Joker. So I suppose if we're talking about like which one I'd like more in terms of like maybe film and video game wise, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Marvel because of Spider-Man and Daredevil. But it's not really... I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of either. Uh, There's some great films between the two of them. Like the Spider-Man movies are amazing. Daredevil, as I mentioned, I absolutely loved when I was younger. Uh, But The Joker is definitely one of my all-time favourite films. It's a a very good film. Um, That came out in, what, 2019? (coughs) Excuse me. It's actually still the last film I went to see in the cinema. Which is mental. Um, Haven't been to a cinema since COVID. Which is crazy. But, yeah... Not really too much else to say on that. 
I'm just not really that big into comic books. Like, the only comic book I've actually ever owned wasn't Marvel or DC. It was a Ku Cullen comic book, which was really, really good. I can't remember who it was by. It's actually not in the house that I'm in right now. It's down below my parents' house. But I will try and find out who that was by, and I'll maybe try and leave it in the description below. Or maybe you could just Google it. But that was quite good. And yeah, that's the only kind of comic book I ever took any interest in. Because it was the only one that I... Yeah, um, that I actually went and saw and thought was quite interesting. And it wasn't Marvel or DC. So yeah, uh, I'd lean a bit more towards Marvel, but it's not really... It's not really much between it, mainly because I'm not overly into it. Okay, the next question comes from Conrad, who says, How big is Batista's dick? Moving on. This is my second recording session for this episode because, uh, as you could probably tell, lads, my voice doesn't sound great. I've had a bit of a pain in my throat. I'm high off my pants on Nurofen at the moment, if that's even possible. But it is feeling a little bit better. But this is like, <clears throat> excuse me, there we go. This is like three days after the original recording session. So, yeah, that's why there might be a little bit of a change of sound. For this part of the episode. But anyway. Let's get on to the next uh, question. Which is. Uh, would you rather eat food. Through your eyes or your ears. And that comes from Ali. That's an interesting question. Very unique. I like it. Um, would I rather eat through my eyes or my ears. I think probably my eyes. Because. It's on the same surface. You know, it's, it's just slightly above my mouth, but it's on the same surface. Whereas my ears, like if I pick up this remote and pretend I'm going to eat it, like let's say I'm eating it through my eyes. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing. I just have to lift it a bit higher. But if I'm eating it through my ears, you know, I can't see. I might miss, you know, I'm assuming I can still see out of my eyes as well. Whilst being able to eat, that might not make much sense. But, you know, fuck it. This is all hypothetical. This is all fantasy. So... Can't really say much. Uh, yeah, I think I would probably rather eat through my eyes for that reason. Let me know through my social media accounts listed below. What would you rather eat through? Your eyes or your ears? And we'll do a poll and we'll see what people say. Up next, we have a question from Valerie who says, What was it like working with the best acting group CSN ever had? Feel free to mention me. So this is something I always kind of knew I was going to do. But I was kind of waiting for the end of the year. Because I didn't want to upset anybody and have to see them that Monday morning. But fuck it, I'm going to do it now. We are going to talk about the best actor in the course, in my humble opinion. And the worst. I'm joking, we won't talk about the worst. We all know, of course, that is James Hayes. I'm joking, James is a fantastic actor. But uh, yeah, listen, there there is no bad actor from that course. There really isn't. Everybody had great talent. It was actually overwhelming to see the great talent on display in the course. It really was. It was very inspiring. And, you know, I feel like everybody gets the best out of themselves when they work with talented people. For example, like to put that into football terms, like for me, Cristiano Ronaldo is the best player of all time. And even if you don't think he is... 
He's one of the best players of all time. He's won everything there is to win. He's just a natural born winner, all time top leading goal scorer in, in world football. And he came to a poor Manchester United side. And despite, you know, him being the best outfield player and scoring 23 goals, he didn't have as good a season as he normally did because he wasn't surrounded by the talent he's used to being surrounded by. So even the best player or one of the best players of all time struggled in a poor team. So, you know, that's kind of using that example. Whereas we were all surrounded by just great, not just actors, but great people, all very talented people, and it just got the best out of everybody. Now, I am going to single out one great actor here, because this actor, or actress, I should say, genuinely made me jealous of how natural they were, and how they kind of, you know, were able to portray different emotions, and how seamlessly they were able to do it. And that is none other then Maureen Deneen. She was absolutely unbelievable to work with. Just, I've never seen someone so humble, yet so talented. Like, probably anywhere, ever. Whether it was wrestling, MMA, acting, podcasting, whatever it was. Whatever I've been involved in. The most, like, quiet, shy, kind person who is just unbelievably talented and multi-talented as well because there was an exercise we had to do where we had to sing before we did our monologue and um maureen excuse me <coughs> sore throat coming into effect there maureen just started bellowing out this uh song what's that song called uh buttercup baby won't you i can't remember the name of that song but she was singing that and holy shit i remember like looking around the room going is there anything she can't do And I don't mean to be like licking her ass now. (laughs) I know that's one thing people hate. It's a lick ass. But genuinely she deserves a lot of credit. And I'm very excited for. Not just for her but for everybody. And what they're going to do next. But Maureen is someone you're going to have to look out for lads. Maureen Deneen. Very talented. Very nice person. Uh, Not entirely sure what her plan is for next year. But whatever it is. I'm sure she'll smash it. Because she's just exceptionally talented. And congratulations to her on a great year uh just like just like everybody else you know i think i've spoke about it loads on here this is probably where i'm going to draw the line under it um in terms of you know just me talking about the college year but yeah it was a lot of very talented people <coughs> excuse me people a lot of very talented uh actors who all had different backgrounds i think i spoke about that before you know some people were very new to acting others had been doing it for a few years some people have been doing it pretty much their whole lives and everybody had something different to bring to the table. And it was very inspiring. Very, um, a very positive setting. And a very, just, a special group. A really, really special group. And it was it was an honour to be a part of it. And to end it the way we did with Hot Water Music at the Graffiti Theatre. Uh, thank you to everybody who came to that show, by the way. It was, it was, truly was a privilege. And I said it to them afterwards, and I'll say it here again by far the most proud I ever was to be a part of any production. Now I'm going to switch it over to TikTok because, unfortunately, because I've been sick, 
I wasn't able to actually see all the questions that were asked. So apologies if I did miss your uh, question. Make sure to send it in again next time when hopefully I'll be feeling a lot better. But there's some questions that have been suggested here on the um, Q&A side of TikTok. Not just specifically ones that have asked or been asked to me. But they're just kind of questions in general. So let's see what questions we have here. The first one is, what does your girlfriend look like? She's a supermodel from Sweden. Moving on. What do you do when your dog is aggressive to people? I'm lucky. Uh, Kuza loves me. Kuza is my Shih Tzu. Well, he's the family Shih Tzu. So where I live, there's two houses, like literally right alongside each other. And Kuza stays in the house next door to mine. But he's the family dog because I live in my nan's house. My auntie and uncle and my cousin live next door. Um, and even my parents' uh, house is literally a stone throw from where we are. So we're all very close. Uh, but the house I'm in and my auntie's house, we're in the same drive. This is actually the house I grew up in. Uh, I moved back here two years ago. Literally just before the pandemic. But Kuza, my little shih tzu, who can be a little shit when he wants to be, he absolutely adores me. And I'm very proud to say, and this is something I'd actually genuinely say with a lot of pride. If there's a group of people in a room, I'm the one Kuza will go over to first. And that fills my heart with such joy. Uh, Kuza is uh, very, you know... I want to say, no, I'm not going to say shy. Kuza takes a little while to adapt to new people. His temper can be quite rough. No pun intended. But uh, it's, you know, it's always interesting when Kuza sees somebody he doesn't know. He, he tends to get a bit protective, shall we say. But to be fair, if Kuza sees that you're... You know, if you're a stranger and he sees that you're talking to people from down here, that live here, he's, he he kind of lightens up quickly. But there's been a few times where Kuz has been outside. I'm really sorry, lads. My nose is very stuffy. Sorry about that. My nose is just... I, I'm still... Like, I'm, I'm on the other end now, but still a bit sick. But Kuz, to be fair, like, when he sees new people, he's, he's okay if they see that they're okay with us. But, like, there's often been times where we've had Kuz outside and people have been, like, walking past the house, just going for a walk, especially when it's nice weather outside. And he has a tendency to go a bit ballistic. So, yeah. But normally he's fine. Normally it's not too... Excuse me. Too bad. The next question is, who is your favourite singer? I was really, really ashamed of myself during the 30 day music challenge not because of any of the songs i picked apart from mr brightside but i picked that because you know the, i think the exact question was a song everyone else loves that you don't like so not so much ashamed that i picked it for those reasons because that is a song that everyone loves that i can't stand but there was one person who i didn't actually really get to mention in that episode and that was my actual favorite singer and that's Corey Taylor from Slipknot. Corey Taylor is unbelievably talented and he does not get the credit he deserves. I've been a huge fan of him since like a very young age when I first started listening to Slipknot. But the best thing about Corey Taylor is like people when they think of like metal music, <coughs> excuse me, they kind of have this perceived idea of how it's going to sound. So 
this is an example of Corey Taylor singing something that's kind of, kind of considered stereotypical, you know, kind of screaming, screamo metal, you know, for lack of a better term. But then here's an example of him just singing, you know, quote unquote normally. And I am telling you, if this was sung by nearly any other famous singer, if this was Ed Sheeran, people would be talking about this way more. So if you love me, let me go Run away before I know My heart is just too dark to care I can't destroy what isn't there Deliver me into my fate If I'm alone, I cannot hate I don't deserve to have you the fact that that's the same person singing both those songs is just crazy to me and like i love all different types of music but metal obviously is one of my favorites and has a special place in my heart and just the way Corey Taylor can do so much. And the fact that obviously that he's the lead singer of not just one of my favourite bands of all time. But one of the most iconic metal bands of all time. And of course he's done stuff with you know Stone Sour, Apocalyptica. Obviously he's done his own solo stuff. Uh, and he's just a great guy, Corey Taylor. And I know some people are going to jump to conclusions because that I like a singer called Corey Taylor. But I've been a fan of him since I was... God, seven, eight years old. And this is long before his last name would become such a heavily featured name in relation to me. But uh, just felt like I had to get that out there for people who, you know, have dirty little minds. But yeah, I, I for me, it's an easy one. It's Corey Taylor. And like Slipknot aren't always my favorite band because I think that changes from time to time. They are one of my favorite bands, but he is 100% my favorite singer. This is a good question. What tattoo would you like to get in the future? I have three tattoos currently. I've got a railroad kind of spikes sort of thing on my right arm, which I got at the Middleton Tattoo Festival back in 2018. I've got the Undertaker symbol on my leg, my right calf muscle. Um, I've got that tattooed. Why right calf muscle? Just my right calf. What the fuck am I talking about? But that... I got uh, in uh, Holy Cow in Middleton. That was on the 1st of June 2019. And the other tattoo I have is on my left arm, which is like a skull with kind of goggles on it. Uh, that was not one I planned on getting. That was at also at a Middleton Tattoo Festival where there was this, um, you know, like the thing where you put money, you put money into it and like sweets come out. There was that sort of thing, but it was for tattoo, uh, tattoo designs. And I was lucky because there was, like, whatever tattoo design came out, you had to get that tattoo. And I was lucky because there was tattoos of penises. There was tattoos of, um, apparently there was some football teams in there that I don't really like. And I would rather, you know, get my throat slit than get those teams tattooed onto me. But I was lucky enough to get one of the cooler designs. The tattoo artist said that to me. He was like, you're fucking lucky I got a skull, man. Because why, hey, man, if you got another one, you might not be so lucky. 
I love how he started Scottish and then ended up Newcastle. But anyway, he was from one or the other. They're very Scotland and Newcastle are very close to each other. But anyway. Uh, but a tattoo I would like to get in the future. I would love to get something as a tribute to my granddad. That would probably be Man United related as well. Because uh, that was our big connection was, was football. Um, I was thinking of on my left calf. Because I have the Undertaker symbol on my right calf. I'd love to get the Sting Scorpion symbol on my left calf. But I will say those are very painful, <coughs> excuse me, painful tattoos to get. The Undertaker tattoo got a bit infected at one stage. I had to get the top of it redone. Because uh, it was just a fucking nightmare to get. But anyway, <clears throat> as I sound like I'm going to die here, that's uh, kind of where I'm going with that. I would like to get a full sleeve down both my arms, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I've got some ideas I'd like to get done. And hopefully in the next few months, they can become reality. Right, we'll get two more questions in. Why not? Uh, what's the best compliment you've ever received Ooh, that is a good question the best compliment i've ever received i think from an acting perspective it's how natural i am and that really means a lot to me because i think you know the more natural you look the better the actor so that's something i i take a lot of pride in i've been told by a lot of people i have a lovely voice my accent has been praised quite a bit lately which uh has made me feel good, and with the way my throat is feeling at the moment, it makes me feel even sad, because I can't speak as much as I would like to. But, listen, as I say, it is getting a bit better. It's just, oh, there's nothing worse than having a sore throat. It's fucking horrible. But, yeah, those are some nice compliments I've got. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, one of the nicest compliments you can get is when people tell you that you're nice. It's always nice to be nice. As The Rock once said, he said, it's it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And that is a, a very true statement. And yeah, I think that that's something that, you know, I genuinely am conceived as a nice guy. Perceived as a nice guy, I should say. Uh, but I'm like anybody. I can be an asshole when I want to be. But I don't like being an asshole. And yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, those are some of the nicest compliments I've gotten, to be honest. And the final question, I think it's a good one to end on. What was the best advice you were ever given and why? I will tell you the best advice I was ever given. And it wasn't just given to me by one person. I've heard it from a few people. Take risks. Take chances. The reason that's the best bit of advice I've ever been given is because it's the one I can really relate to the most and it's the one that's made me progress in life the most. Sometimes you have to take a risk. You have to take a chance. You have to try and do something that maybe will not have the best outcome. Because it's always better to look back on something and say, look, it didn't work out, but I gave it a go. I gave it my best shot and I can live with that. It's always worse to look back and go, ah, I should have done this differently. I should have done that differently. I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd said that. That's always horrible. And I've had that experience with a lot of things. There are some things I can look back on and go, fuck it, if only I'd taken more of a risk there. You have to take risks. You have to You have to sacrifice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the entertainment business and this is the business where you do have to take a lot of risks. This is something where, you know, you're going to have to try and do things that may not reward you in the end. But if they do reward you, it's going to be huge. 
it's just I cannot stress enough how much you know that in life you just you have to get out of your own head. There are so many people out there who have huge ambitions, huge you know dreams, huge things they want to achieve, but they're too afraid to take that step or to take that risk. And I cannot stress enough to these people, as Shia LaBeouf would say, just do it. Do it. Yesterday you said tomorrow. Do it. And as funny as that is, and as much as that became a meme, it is very true. You just, you have to fucking do these things, lads. You just gotta. And you'll always look back with regrets if you don't. If you fail, you fail. Who cares? Yo, John, my my acting coach, he always said it. The worst something will be is shit. Nobody's gonna die. And who cares if it's shit? If it's shit, it's shit. So what? Move on. Learn from it. It's good to make mistakes. It's very good to make mistakes. Because if you make mistakes, you learn from them. Now, unfortunately, there are a few people out there who make a lot of mistakes and don't learn from them. And don't be like those people. It's okay to fuck up. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. A lot of mistakes. I, there's so many things I can look back on and go, Dylan, what the fuck were you thinking there? Why did you do that? And it's easy to hide behind excuses. It's easy to hide behind, um, you know, different reasons as to why things happened the way they did. It's easy to put the blame on other people. Like one thing, to get a bit deep here for a second, that I always, I don't want to say I hid behind it, but I did kind of try and, yeah, maybe I did try hide behind it a little bit, was having BPD. And the, you know, some of the things that come with that. I, I I have no doubt those are reasons as to why certain things have happened in my life. It, it's down to having BPD. But I have to take responsibility with that as well. Like the whole Johnny Depp trial that's going on at the moment. I really couldn't give two shits about it. I think it's kind of boring. Some of the memes have been funny. The whole my dog stepped on a bee. And then someone edited in Roman Reigns saying afterwards, acknowledge me. That was really cool. But that's cool because it was Roman Reigns. Uh, I can't even remember what her name is. What the fuck is her name again? Amber Heard. Couldn't remember her name. Um, you know, apparently she has BPD. And I'm uh, she's somebody who likes to hide behind that. And like, lads, it's so important to look after your mental health. Like, it's it's ridiculously important. Like, don't ever... Uh, don't ever think that it's not important to look after your mental health. But I will say this. There's far too many people out there... <coughs> excuse me. Who, who hide behind it. There's far too many people out there who don't do things and they claim it's because they're depressed or it's because they're, they're feeling down or whatever. Like, it's okay to feel down. Like, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't, you can't let that stop you from doing things. I felt kind of shit today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I didn't really want to finish this recording. But here I am doing it and I'm enjoying it. <clears throat> And despite the fact <coughs> that my throat feels like it's about to just give in at any second, I've had a great time recording this. And yeah, that's, in a nutshell, that's the best advice I can give. Take risks, take chances, and don't let any insecurities or any little, you know, doubts in your head stop you from doing what you want to do. That will wrap it up for this episode, lads. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Straight Out of Cloyne. I forgot to do this last week, but we'll do it again this week. 
I always end with a classic wrestling promo. And this classic wrestling promo really will put into perspective why it's okay to fuck up. Why it's okay to make mistakes. Because as a result of this being one of the worst wrestling promos of all time, it has become one of the funniest and one of the most memorable. Earlier we talked to Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Let's go now to that interview. Folks, there's Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turn the tables on me. You turn the tables in a wrong way. You've got me mad now. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I've did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another and you treat, cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. Now I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Now let's go to the ring. <laughs> 